Okay, it seems like folks joining us is slowing down just a little bit, so we can go ahead and get started. Hi, everyone. Good evening. Thank you for joining us. This is our first webinar in our Spring Parent and Family Webinar Series. My name is Heather Deer, and I'm the Director of Parent and Family Programs. And we're always so excited to offer this resource to you so that you can learn a little bit more information about exciting programs at William & Mary, like studying abroad, which we know many students do and many families have questions about. So um, I don't want to take up any of their precious time, so I will go ahead and turn the program over to Sylvia. She's our Director of Global Education here at William & Mary, and she is going to teach us about study abroad opportunities. Um, I'll be moderating Q&A at the end, so please do use please do use the Q&A feature here in Zoom to submit your questions, and we will take care of as many as we have time for. So Sylvia, thank you so much for joining us. It is all yours. Wonderful. Thank you, Heather, and thank you all for being here on this, at least in Williamsburg, balmy 65 degree evening in January. So we appreciate this opportunity uh, to talk about study abroad. I might have seen some of you at DFAS, Day for Admitted Students, or Family Orientations, or the study abroad fair. So thank you for your continued interest. And for those I haven't had a chance to meet yet, we hope we will see you when you're on campus next. So with that, um, I'm just going to briefly share a PowerPoint um, as a background for context. Um, but as Heather mentioned, we'll try to answer some questions at the beginning, uh, at the very end, um, as we go. So with that, um, again, thank you for as uh, studying abroad, uh, talking about study abroad. Sorry, I'm trying to get the, the screen share to work here. Um, and so with that, um, we are here to talk, um, from the beginning, here we go, um, to talk about study abroad. So um, as you may know, uh, you're, maybe your students are already interested or you've heard that study abroad is um, you know, quite a common occurrence here. More than half of our students study abroad at some point. And from previous webinars, we've heard from your peers that there's a lot of logistic questions about funding and type of programs and the language we sometimes use. But before we go there, which is what the bulk of this program is going to be about, I do want to just pause for a minute and talk about why we uh, care so much about study abroad or the opportunities that we think study abroad can provide our students. Um, part of the what I hope kind of carries throughout all of our work is that the study abroad experience, though we hope wonderful and great unto itself, is deeply connected and integrated into the overall goals of a William & Mary undergraduate education. So there's the ac academic nature of these programs, the opportunity to explore, and there's also the personal growth, and then, of course, the career connection and career readiness. So as we think about going to a different place, we often think about, oh, we're learning about a new place, getting to meet new people, learning about others and other perspectives, maybe in physical geographies that are very different, that open up new opportunities for research and inquiry, um, but also in the sometimes language learning or other ways of looking at subject matters, which of course is absolutely critical to what we do and study abroad allows us to really think of the world as our classroom, but it's also very much about personal and ac academic and personal growth and through learning about other and other settings and other fields or perspectives on our own fields, learning about self. And it's that kind of mu multiple perspectives and goals of study abroad that we and Mary deeply values. 
That's reflected in the fact that our call curriculum, our general curriculum, includes Call 300, which everything we're talking about today uh, meets Call 300. It is about taking your knowledge into the world, learning about the world, and synthesizing that in. Uh, that is what study abroad is all about. And our faculty, when designing the curriculum, recognized that and wrote that in. It's reflected, that priority is reflected in the kind of uh, policies and structures and support that we try to offer, the flexibility we try to give students in finding the program and the opportunity that best meets their individual academic and personal journeys. And then it's uh, so much when we think about thriving here on campus and learning and getting ready for life beyond William and Mary, the, uh, the study abroad, again, time and time again, students come back and talk about how much readier they feel for life beyond Wayman Mary. And so the, all those things, and especially as we're talking about career preparedness so much, um, we really see study abroad as an integral part of that. And while it is a great experience unto itself, it's one experience that we hope will bear fruit, not only in the immediate aftermath, but in for years to come. And that is one of the things we hear consistently from our alumni and from research studies across the world. So with that, uh, what does that actually look like? And I think if you've heard me speak before, I'm, you may have heard me say that one of the hardest things about talking about study abroad at William & Mary is that a lot of the answers um, to what is housing like or what, um, you know, what are the, the kind of classes like, it really is depends. And that's because we want students to be able to find the programs that best meet their particular interests. And that means your student has choices of hundreds of hundreds of programs. And that's a lot. We um, are here to help students sort through that. For some of our students, they find a program, they know exactly where they wanna go, and we work with lots of others who come to us with some general ideas, maybe a field of study that interests them, a region, or they've invested time already in learning a language or doing different things. Um, and so really the idea of so many choices is really going back to this perspective of we want students to be able to find a program that really meets their overall needs and goals best. So again, our students are going to lots of different places. Um, more and more of our students are going abroad. We've already exceeded the numbers of students going pre-pandemic. So although those were complicated years, now it's clear that the value of an international education is something our students very much value. And we really appreciate that your support in all of that too, because we know that wouldn't be possible. So as I, you heard me mention before, but just to kind of be really clear, Call 300 is for everything that we're talking about. All credit bearing study abroad through our office has that. And so it contributes to a student's overall academic journey. So one of the questions that we often start off with is when, um, when can my student go abroad? And that could be, I'm rare, you know, I'm a freshman ready to go. When is the first opportunity coming? Or I'm a senior and oh my goodness, have I missed the, or a rising senior, have I missed the opportunity? So for summer programs, which is um, a significant time when many of our students go abroad, it's any time after freshman year. One of the things just to note is that we that does mean we usually have quite a few going abroad during the summer after freshman year, but we see a very consistent enrollment across the park. Many of our students who go who go abroad for the summer do come back and say, wow, you know, I now feel like I wanna go abroad somewhere else. We do see lots of students going on 
multiple programs over the years. Um, and in fact, as an anecdote, we had a student graduate recently in the STEM field who participated in five study abroad programs during her time here at William and Mary. Um, so, but in terms of summer programs that can be after freshman year, if you come back, then of course, and you still want to study abroad, you've got plenty of time. A rising senior will have fewer opportunities, but there are options. Um, as you mentioned, as you can see at the bottom, winter faculty-led programs or third-party programs are another opportunity, um, and those are really accessible to your students throughout any of the four years. For semester or full year programs, those usually take place during junior year. There are some times and some majors where second semester sophomore um, year and timing works well. And occasionally we have some first semester seniors, but there are some extra complexities about it being so close to graduation. Um, but so most of our junior class, there's always a good portion of it of the junior class um, who are abroad. In terms of the types of programs, one of the things that I wanted to highlight to you is just the type, uh, the, the kind of language, so that if your student comes home and says, oh, I'm thinking about an exchange program or an embedded program, and I'm just trying to think through, there's a lot more language on our website, I should say, for all that we're talking about today, I really encourage you to visit our website to get more detailed information. But these are some of the main types. And so I'll talk briefly through them and we have some examples of some of them. Um, but the Wayman Mary sponsored semester programs, there are four of these programs that we have. These are ones that we, we design in partnership with uh, organizations or generally universities overseas, um, where there is it is still their program, but we have a connection and in some cases are involved in the curriculum. Wayma Mary also has robust and great exchange partnerships with universities around the globe. Some of these are the top universities, top universities in the world, and they really open up the opportunity for your student to become a student at another university, see what student life is like, access their academics, and really have that immersive experience. In exchange, students are coming here, which also creates this rich community of students meeting each other, getting to know each other, and um, this partnership between the universities and our faculty, you knowing curriculum and things. William and Mary faculty-led short-term programs um, are ones in, that happen over winter break and in the summer. It, as the name implies, means a William & Mary faculty member is going over with a group of students. Um, often there are local faculty and local courses um, and many elements to connect with site. And these span a whole broad range of uh, majors. And we'll talk a little bit more of those in a minute. William & Mary embedded programs. There are not many of these, but there are some. Um, and these are William & Mary courses taught here on campus that have a short component, for example, a spring break or a, you know, 10 days or 14 days after the end of the semester, uh, international experience that really fits into this broader regular semester course. And then we work with non-William & Mary programs, we have to call them third party, but I do want to emphasize here that these are, and if you go to our website, there's a long list of them. These are programs with where we work closely with either that could be another U university overseas, it could be a US, uh, U.S. university that offers an international program that opens um, its program up to William & Mary students, 
or organizations that facilitate specialized study abroad programs that students on these programs, even though they may not be William and Mary in the same way that a William and Mary faculty is going, very much under the still connected, still enrolled at William and Mary, um, and you know, again, going through orientations and everything here with us, and still able to access and be like a full-time enrolled student at William and Mary while abroad. So to go a little bit deeper on this then, um, I'm just, as I mentioned, we have four sponsored semester programs. I'm gonna give an example of one, which is in La Plata, Argentina. Um, it is for advanced Spanish speakers. It has a focus on human rights. We work with an organization called the Commission on Memory. Students stay in, with homestays. They have opportunities and internship is required. And that could either be a research internship or museum or education or other human rights related internships. This is an example of how we work with partners to provide thematic opportunities that wouldn't just be available. Um, we also, students then get a chance to enroll. So they take um, at the local university as long alongside with some courses that are custom designed for William and Mary students who are really diving deeply into this field. And we also have, a, incidentally, a winter program without a language requirement on this, and we have a summer fellowship program. But I know we're, we do uh, fellowships and internships too, but um, some of those are in study abroad and some of those are standalone as well. Um, so exchange programs are another way of going abroad for the semester, as the name applied. And as I mentioned, these are partnerships with institutions moving back and forth. On a kind of financial level, the tuition and fees remain the same as if you're here on campus, you don't pay housing, room and board um, to William and Mary, costs vary across the globe. So one pays then directly to the host university overseas for those parts, um, but payment plans, for example, are able to continue for these kinds of programs. Um, and they are, some of them have language requirements, others don't. Um, these are opportunities, again, to see what another you know, university is like and be able to take a broad range of courses, given that institutions are, um, you know, offer a broad range just like here. You may have heard about St. Andrews. Um, we have a joint degree, of course, with them, but that was built on um, a longstanding and continuing um, semester tuition exchange program. So students are going, um, but we work with others. I'll show a list in a minute, really uh, around the globe. Um, this is for transfer credit, so that is one thing to note as, you're think as your son or daughter is thinking about residential credits here. These, that means the grades do not factor into the GPA because they're enrolled in a different university system and often grading is quite different at these universities. Um, applications are for most of the programs, although it's always important to check the semester before going abroad. Um, it all depends on our host institutions, what requirements they set. And um, I should say, because it's dependent on a reciprocity of students moving in both directions, not all programs are able to be offered every year. That depends, again, on our partners also being able to send. Um, so it's important for students to monitor the website. And, and then there are also other choices, certainly, um, you know, that we're happy to talk with students about. Uh, exchange partnerships, these are examples of these. Um, so some, again, are focused, for example, in, in Vienna, that is a business focus, um, or Sciences Po, Lille has a very political science econ focus, but most of these have really a broad, broad range of opportunities and majors and or fields, fields of study. 
Um, we marry faculty-led short-term programs, as I mentioned, summer and winter breaks are when these take place. In the winter break, it's usually about two weeks on average, plus or minus a couple days. Um, for If you've had students here for a little bit, you might have noticed our winter breaks are getting a little longer than they were. Um, so it does allow us time. In some cases, it means leaving in, at the end of December, but most of the programs start around the 3rd or 4th of January and finish up around the 19th or 20th of January in time for students to come back in order to enroll in spring courses. These are William and Mary courses and they're for William and Mary credit. They're considered residential as if students are here on campus. Um, in the summer, the uh, programs usually start, the first one start, you know, in the week after commencement in May, but there are others that don't begin until July. So again, broad range. Summer programs, the shortest is just over two weeks within an independent study during the rest of the summer. And the longest is, um, you know, eight, there are several eight weeks in country, plus maybe some pre-work beforehand. Um, so again, when we think about what program makes sense, the subject matters in these faculty-led programs really, really range, and they um, they vary every year as well. So even if you've gone to a program, some of our students have gone repeatedly because new courses are being offered every year. Um, and so again, it, 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 there are lots of opportunities, and if timing is one of those questions too, again, they do start at many different points and the length um, varies in the summer. In the winter, we don't have, unfortunately, as much flexibility. Um, and especially, so in the winter, those programs for the most part are three credits. Again, that's three credits of call 300. In the summer, these pro um, programs on general average, six to seven credits, um, but some go as high as 15 credits in the summer. And so in some cases, you may even be able to get a call 200 for one course and a call 300 for another course. So again, um, we very much work with um, our our faculty and our departments to try to make these, uh, these programs really fit well within the overall curriculum. In terms of the um, kind of preparedness and, and other things, again, there's this is the it depends um, kind of response. There are programs that have language requirements. There are programs that don't. There are a few programs that have some prerequisites. Um, we just had a winter program in Heidelberg that was chemistry and they were looking at MRI imaging. So they had to have some pre-courses for that, um, some prerequisites, but many, the majority of them do not have prerequisites. And again, provide opportunities for students to um, have access to maybe courses they have never taken before or ones that align with their major and studies. So this was an example of a few years ago um, where we had uh, one of our faculties led from dance, right? Um, we have this program this summer in Cape Town. It has a chemistry faculty, um, which will include, I think, some hospital visits or some other um, kind of more health-related, oops, some health-related uh, studies. And a lot of the students who are um, who applied for that program were interested in pre-med, for example. Not exclusively, but it just goes to show that even one program that one year is focused on one thing, maybe something may have a very different academic focus the next year. So a couple other examples, just in case any of this is of interest. And I should say that um, the summer program deadline, the general deadline was December 1st, but wherever there's room, we still keep it open. And so February 1st is the deadline um, for the William & Mary faculty-led summer. If your student um, is interested in other third-party summers, that deadline for registration with William & Mary is not until April 1st. So they certainly have time for William & Mary, non-William & Mary. It's not too late. 
Um, so I just wanted to highlight a few of the programs in case you're interested in this. So Go on Bangalore is a program that's offered every year. Um, it generally has an art history course, as well as then a course taught by Wayman Mary faculty. This year it's linguistics. And it's an opportunity um, for our students to be in Bangalore. We are the National Law School of Bangalore there. So students have an opportunity to engage with students there um, and, and have meaningful dialogue about really um, relevant topics before moving to Goa. And so our students are getting to see um, two different distinct localities and histories um, in India and engaging um, with their local environment. The Dublin Global Business Minor Program is one we're really excited about also. We ran this pre-pandemic and then it was on pause and are starting it again. So this is a really intensive uh, experience and one gets 15 credits and a global business minor with as long as one takes an accounting class before or after the program. So 15 plus this accounting class sometime during one's studies here at William & Mary. Um, and you can have this global business minor training for students who have double majors, for example, um, then it is, you don't have to take the minor if you can't add it, but you will still be able to say, look, I had the academic training uh, equivalent to a global business minor. And the premise here is that these global business, these skills, these business skills from marketing to finance to others are really critical for so many different industries and career paths. And so this is an opportunity if you're really busy during the semester um, to just Focus in the summer and these modules, there are four William & Mary faculty that go, um, a, a, a Irish faculty at the University College Dublin, which is where we're located, and someone from my office is there throughout the whole time as well to support students. So it's eight, 11 weeks, three weeks online and eight weeks in country. And so again, we're it's a, an opportunity we're really excited to be able to bring back. Our um, alumni from this program have spoken really highly of this and it's made a real impact. Santiago de Compostela, when we think about like totally different kinds of programs, this one is where students are actually gonna be hiking part of the Camino de Santiago. They spend some time here before going. And again, part of this is to experience this difference um, locations every day in a different place um, for much of it and being able to uh, walk with two William and Mary faculty who are two teaching two courses alongside and again really looking the the of uh, the place and the power of place to inform the studies and the, and the work that students are doing. And Berlin, Germany is an example of a language program. Um, so this is uh, has has both a, a course on German studies as well as students spending um, their time learning, deepening their German skills. And we have a number of different language skills. I just happened to pick this, um, but uh, but again, there are a number of different German, uh, um, German, Spanish, um, Russian, and Chinese, and others, and French, um, who we which we offer in the summer. So here's a list of the 2024 William & Mary summer programs. Um, and I've put an asterisk for the ones that are still accepting applications. So you see a few are full already, but there are some, these are all obviously all being reviewed at all times. Um, and uh, we anticipate several other ones coming on board again next year. Um, Athens, for example, alternates with Rome Pompeii. It's a classical studies program. And so on even years, we are in Italy and on odd years, we are in Greece. And then the winter, um, this is an example of the 2024 programs, which just wrapped up this past weekend. 
Um, and the new ones for 2025 will be announced in May 2024, the deadline then being early next semester. It is, uh, some of these are regularly offered and some of them are ones that come around for more a pilot basis or every few years. And so um, you will see some of these again for summer 2025, uh, winter 2025, but there will also be some new ones. The Pamplona Spain one is an example of an embedded program, for example, Students, this is one that was went to Pamplona to be in, a, in an archive with medieval documents. They spent the fall getting ready to learn um, how to read these documents and then actually had the opportunity to apply those skills. Um, there, Kigali is a program that we run together with the School of Education and is, is a regularly offered one, for example, that, um, that again focuses on history and reconciliation and how one moves forward um, while also, again, coming at it from uh, the, the School of Education's perspective, but it's open across all, all majors. So those are just a couple examples. I encourage you to check out our website. And again, more announcements will be coming in May as we um, finalize the offerings for next year. So a couple other logistics. So in terms of grades, William & Mary faculty-led, which makes sense, right? We, our faculty, our professors are going with students overseas teaching these courses, and our Sevilla and La Plata semester programs all are considered William & Mary courses. And Sevilla and La Plata, we're deeply involved in the curriculum of the development of the, the courses, and therefore that's why they are William & Mary credit. All other programs, whether they be exchanges, some of our sponsored semester and others come back as transfer credit. And so um, again, but that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean just any, just blank credit. These are credits that can count towards a major or minor or um, again, elective credits or other things. Um, and so we work with each of the academic departments. Every depart academic department here nominates a professor who uh, then is designated for the year to, to work with students going on study abroad who are then taking courses overseas on the transfer credit process. Again, mentioning call 300 for all. And in terms of requirements, I mean, one baseline that's for all is that students can't be on probation or, or, or higher sanctions beyond that, both in academic and conduct spheres. Uh, and um, then each of the programs may have different requirements. It does depend program by program, um, especially for faculty-led, we try to make those as accessible as possible, um, but there may be certain preparation students need, and, and these are applications. Some programs are more competitive um, than, than some, many of the programs. We really wanna to try to make this as accessible to as many students as possible. I will mention our Oxford um, semester and full year program program uh, does have, you know, a, a different level of application, and that's because of the materials we need to demonstrate to our host institution who's hosting our students. Um, so in terms of deadlines, again, I just wanted to reiterate if any of this has sparked interest and you're thinking, oh, maybe this, it's, you know, this summer would be great. Um, it is not too late at all. February 1st is the summer faculty-led program deadline. It's entirely doable. There are no recommendations required for William & Mary faculty-led programs, and students are just prompted for a few short essays and um, some other information. So 
fear not if it's if that that time is, has not run out for that. And again, for the summer, there are certainly then also many other opportunities for third party programs and students will, would many times apply in the course of February, March, and they have to register with William and Mary on April 1st. All of this is on our website, so I don't want to overwhelm um, and all deadlines in general are on our website. So to make planning easier. Funding, we know um, financial planning is also, of course, a critical part of, um, of the planning process. Uh, we may, like our office actually awards over $600,000 in study abroad scholarships this year. That's on top of financial aid. We work really, really closely with the financial aid office. If your student receives a scholarship because they've applied to us, and most of these scholarships are financial need-based, but there are also some really wonderful merit scholarships. So if your student gets a scholarship through our office and or they are receiving financial aid here at William & Mary in general, we work together with the financial aid office. They, you might hear them say something about a consortium agreement or something. That's really behind the scenes, the documentation that our financial aid office needs to verify costs and then is able to look to see um, you know, how packaging can come together. Um, we met much of our financial need scholarships go towards winter programs and summer programs because those would be kind of additional expenses um, that if you had been planning just on the semesters but we also have some scholarships during the semester for semester programs that really look at what if there is an extra gap or anything that um, you know there maybe you don't usually have an international flight and that raises some additional costs um, so again there's great variability in costs and, and different opportunities for funding. Definitely encourage your student to check out the website, our website, we have a whole tab on scholarships and it's a pretty long list, our own, as well as references to external. If your student um, is uh, receives Pell Grant and is interested in future summer study abroad, I think their, their deadline for the early deadline is passed already, but if, for example, your student's interested in summer 2025, um, we have a program called, a scholarship called the Griffin Guarantee, so if a student applies, does goes through and puts together a full application um, with this external Gilman scholarship. Even if our student doesn't get the external funding, we will guarantee a certain amount um, for funding for it because again, that gives you the certainty to know that that funding is coming. That's out for Pell Grant eligible students who meet the requirements of Gilman. In terms of other finances, like what do costs look like? Again, some of this can depend on programs. So this is kind of how the billing works. The overall costs, again, can vary, but William & Mary faculty-led and sponsored programs. When you go to the website, if you go to the individual program site, um, you will see a fee, and that fee includes all kind of tuition, kind of academic expenses, essentially. There's no differentiation between in-state and out-of-state um, for these fees. These are actual costs of what it costs for that particular program. You do not pay tuition and fees separately from that. This is an all-inclusive, um, inclusive to things listed here, fee that bundles together those academic uh, costs, excursions that are related to the program, and the academics, housing, and usually partial board. And for each of our own um, programs, at the top of the program description brochure page, there's also a budget sheet, which gives you a sense of what are some of the other expenses that we anticipate you might need, that your student might need to cover. So our, these programs don't cover, include 
uh, the international airfare, because again, our students are coming from so many different places and, and everything. Um, and so, and how much do we, do other students say they've spent on food or other kinds of things? Um, so all of that gives you a general impression based on the feedback that we've received from students. Now, William and Mary exchange programs, as I mentioned, you're moving back and forth. And so tuition and fees, but not room and board, are billed through William and Mary. Um, when you then get your bill, it would look kind of normal, minus room and board. Um, but you would have the, there's an off-campus study abroad fee and the required international health and evacuation insurance, which I will talk about in just a minute, um, on the health and safety side of things. And so with that, um, again, but payment plans and all of that, there's a lot of predictability. I think a lot of our in-state families really uh, like appreciate the exchange programs for that predictability as well. And then for non-William Mary third-party programs, your William & Mary bill would look really different for a semester than what you would see normally. So rather than regular tuition and fees, um, what you would see is the off-campus study abroad fee and the international health and evacuations insurance. And then you would make all the rest of the payments for the actual program to the program provider. So maybe that's another US university, maybe that's you know the London School of Economics or some other international university where your student might be directly enrolling, or maybe it is to an organization that coordinates, um, a nonprofit that coordinates all of these programs on behalf of universities. Um, however, you might be thinking, oh my goodness, is my financial aid package gonna go down to these two charges? No, and this is where these consortium agreements that we open up with other universities come and play. They verify to us what the full cost of the program is, right? Their academic fees, what they anticipate for travel costs, for books, for other related expenses. And it's that bottom line number that are we work, we that again, we then verify for our financial aid office, and that is what they work off of as well. And since if you receive then funding or if you've gotten a scholarship that goes beyond this amount of what's actually billed for William & Mary, the rest is then credited to your student account. You, our students are prompted to set up direct deposit so that the overpayment then goes directly deposited into your bank account to be able to use for other organizations. So I know that gets a little bit more complex and I'm happy to talk through nuances. Um, but again, there's a lot of information on our website and we encourage students to also come visit us and talk with the financial aid office who are wonderful partners and great supporters. So health and safety, um, this of course is the very core of what we do. It drives all the decisions that we make. We are constantly monitoring everything in the world and evaluating all the many things that are happening globally right now, both currently as well as what might be coming down the road. Um, so I, we, we have an international insurance um, that is health, but it's also evacuation. With that is a security uh, component where we're getting updates on a regular basis. Uh, and um, you know, I don't know how many announcements I've gotten today about things just happening in the world and if we have students there, that gives us extra heads up. We work very closely with the State Department and part of their element, it's called OSAC, um, OSAC, which is actually a great resource. They've got some great um, country um, health and safety reports. Um, and so, for example, even on Wednesday, they did a briefing on um, kind of the Western Hemisphere, things that are happening here. Um, and so, of course, there was great discussion around Ecuador and other places um, and developments of what's happening. And so we remain in regular contact with 
through them and other universities, and of course our partners on site to evaluate and monitor. There's an international travel review committee, um, there's protocols and there's a list of countries where students have to seek extra additional clearance. That list is continually being updated. I sit on that committee. Um, I, others in my office and the international travel and security manager are available 24 seven for emergencies as we go and really have a very robust system um, of working through in our insurance again is an important part of that providing support um, if there is ever an emergency stateside for example and you need to reach someone or there's something you need to tell us we work through university police so again they are available 24 7 and then reach us as well um, and then you know really like hopefully this answered some of the logistics but then one of the big parts here is really what to do next where to begin and again we work with students um, many students from you know first year all the way and then alumni who stay in touch um, for whatever it is that your student wants and others want lighter touch than that so really uh, encouraging your students to visit the website encouraging them to maybe stop by our office we have a team of student workers. Um, they're called peer advisors. These are students who've gone abroad. They've gotten special training. It's a super competitive position to get because our students come back and want to be able to share their experience and help their peers have these opportunities. They're here Monday through Friday, 11 to 5, so students can come in and they hold some workshops. And then, of course, we have a whole team of professional advisors who are working with uh, the programs and with students, usually by region or by program type. And again, the website has a lot of information on who your student can contact. They can set up online appointments, in-person appointments. Um, Again, I encourage if your students even modestly interested in this, that they might look at Study Abroad 101 or 201, which are videos online, or they could come in person here to come talk to us or to appear if that's more comfortable. Um, but again, the website really has all of this information and we look forward to working with you all and thank you for your support. Um, I always think it's not just our student going abroad, but it, it inherently the whole family in some way and we couldn't do this without you. So thank you very much. And um, I look forward to getting a few questions. Thank you so much, Sylvia. As you can imagine, we do have a few questions. I am going to start with some that were submitted ahead of time to cover just a couple of those, and then I'll dive into the ones that have been submitted. Um, I'll just warn you, we probably won't make it through all of the questions that have been submitted in time, but um, we'll talk at the end about how you can learn the most information, really have great conversations with your student to help them engage with the Global Education Office so they can get some answers to these questions. So um, some of them we've already covered, so I'm going to pick through our questions here. Um, we just talked about health and safety. Um, Specifically, we have two or three questions about the Dublin Global Business Minor Program and how do students accept if they have been accepted into the program? What is the best point of contact for those students that are really interested in that Dublin program? Yeah, thanks so much for that. And as I mentioned, we're really excited to have that program again. Um, in terms of acceptance, and this is then relevant for actually all the William & Mary faculty-led, the December deadline students um, received uh, generally received decisions in December. Um, and then, um, you know, in the course of this month, some of the scholarships are being announced into then February as well. But I mentioned that Dublin and, and a, a number of others are still accepting applications. So again, students apply 
February 1st, they will hear later in February of the decision. Whether you're an early um, applicant or this, this February 1 deadline, um, the commitment deadline for all summer programs, including the Dublin program, is March 8th. So there are forms your student can see online once they're accepted um, that there's some form and there's a deposit that will be um, due then March 8th. It is too early to pay the deposit, No time, not, not needed right now. Um, there's a button they can click to tell us preliminarily that they're planning to commit and so they can switch themselves to committed. Um, but then in, in late February, um, a charge will appear for the entire uh, summer program cost. And again, this is not just for Dublin, this is for all the programs with a deadline of then paying a deposit by March 8th. Your student will get detailed instructions on all of that. And then full payment for summer programs is April 1st. Now, if you're getting a scholarship or you're getting financial aid, we work with those offices to, of course, then reduce the amounts. And so you're not overpaying and getting refunded, but rather that that's already calculated in. And again, your students will get a lot more information um, regarding that. In terms of contacts, um, we're going to be updating some for Dublin. Um, we have uh, uh, as I mentioned, there's going to be a staff member going. Um, her name is Lisa Roney, and um, we'll be updating the website to reflect that as well. And then we have a faculty advisor liaison who I know has reached out to some of the students as well. Um, her name is Dawn Edmiston. So um, again, you'll find those emails being updated in the brochure page soon. And um, students, as we go through all of these different programs, will be getting so much more information. So many of the programs in general have pre-courses. Dublin has a three-week online pre-course in the summer. But for most of the other summer programs, they actually have a course that starts right after spring break. That's a one credit course to prepare students to go. Because if you have less time in country, we need to, we need to really um, focus during that time as well. So your students will have opportunities at that point um, to learn more about when should I arrive in a place? What are, you know, what is, how is all of this going to, what's the exact itinerary or just what other preparations do I need to do? We do encourage those, even if you've been accepted for the summer, not to make flight reservations yet. More instructions will be coming um, regarding the details of that. So I hope that that's helpful in general, both for Dublin as well as for other programs. I think that's very helpful. Um, gives us a little bit of a taste of, you know, maybe to wait a little bit, maybe there's some more information coming. Um, mm -hmm. I think I can imagine that students are very excited, especially if their acceptances are still rolling in and maybe they're eager to start making some of those plans. So um, I know that there is really robust information to come about all of those programs. Um, I know most of our programs offer a wide variety of course subjects and topics and majors, um, but someone has asked, are there some majors that are not fit for study abroad? So I thought I'd I'd pose that to you, Sylvia, to, to maybe bust the myth. Yeah, that's great. Um, and I appreciate that opportunity. Um, we've had students across all majors go study abroad. Um, so it's definitely possible. Um, there are lots of different times, as you heard, and, and, and kind of locations and types of programs. So again, I encourage all students to talk with their major advisors or their pre-major advisors and just keep bringing up, I want to study abroad, is there advice? You heard me say that most semester students are going abroad for either semester or year during junior year, but there are some majors where it may be second semester sequence might actually, a uh, second semester of sophomore year, I should say, sequence might fit better. Um, and, and again, those are things if, you know, if your student knows that that's what they want to do, you know, that's a great 
you know, to, or as, as soon as they have a sense that this might be something they want to pursue, just bringing it up in conversation as they're getting advising and as they're working through their academic plans. Um, and then, as I mentioned, too, not only, I mean, our faculty-led programs vary in topics, and it changes every year. Um, the third-party program options are also a broad range, and, our, and again, our, our direct enroll, our exchange partner opportunities um, really do offer, whether courses that are related to a major or whether it's a student saying, you know what, I'm going to go take a call 300, maybe a call 200 in the summer too, and explore an area of interest that maybe I'm not going to major in, but that would really supplement my learning and my growth and my interest. Um, so STEM fields, for example, are one of the ones we've heard students say, oh, you know, are there options? And recently we had so many STEM options in the winter that students actually came to us and said, so winter is for STEM students, right? There were lots of humanities and social science options too, um, but that to us was a really good sign to say that, okay, it does feel available across a broad range. So again, we're happy to talk with students who come to our office too or engage with us in any in any way. Um, but I also encourage your, your students to talk with, again, their departments, their professors. We've got fantastic advocates and uh, faculty across the university who strongly believe in the value of international education for all. I think that's fantastic advice. Someone had actually asked, is there someone in each department that speaks to study abroad? And I think our faculty are well equipped to have those conversations, especially if someone is wanting to maintain a certain research interest or or something of that nature. I think our faculty are a really good place to start. So having those conversations with advisors and then um, if they need to make an appointment or walking in to chat with someone in the Reeves Center is probably a really great idea. If they're looking for a specific experience, there, yeah. there are folks at William & Mary who can help them find the right experience for them for sure. Absolutely. And I think one other thing to mention here, too, is that sometimes it can feel like an either or, like I'm thinking about an internship, or so many of our programs do include, especially semester, where you have a little bit more time, internships um, as part of that, or research. Many of our students utilize what they're learning abroad than in maybe a call 400 kind of capstone research or honors project. So again, these are very much connected and having these conversations earlier, are great. Wonderful. I took care of a couple of our questions. I see probably a handful related to tuition and financing study abroad. There are a few links in the chat, everyone. I will just start out and say a really great place to start related to these questions is the study abroad website. It's a very robust resource. So you could probably find what you're looking for there, but um, want to just pick your brain on if 529 plans apply at all to study abroad and how that relates to how a financial aid package might apply to a study abroad experience. Yeah, there's a broad range of 529 plans. So I will just caution that our advice is usually like, come talk to us individually and also talk with your plan administrator. Um, different, you know, different states have different plans. Um, you know, for many of our students, they're coming also with the, just 529 that are savings, which have, you know, one set of rules and, and then there's prepaid plans. And so differentiating between those two um, and uh, our office is certainly and our and others at, at William & Mary are happy to support, but also your plan administrator will have very specific 
um, things. So our students do go abroad using a variety of different other benefits and, and again, working with financial aid. But it's always good um, ahead of time to know what restrictions may or may not be in place for your particular plan, because that may inform which program might lend itself most easily for that payment. So again, that's where we're happy to talk with you as well. So I just want to be cautious given there's so many 529 plans around the country. So yeah. Yeah. I think too, I think that's a really great point, Sylvia, in that the study abroad experience for William and Mary students holistically, both financially, what program they're engaging in, when they're engaging in it, is a very individualized and personal experience. Mm -hmm which is what the William and Mary experience is, right? It's a very personalized educational journey for each of our students. And so um, while we may not be able to give a very specific, like in this instance, this type response, um, it's just because all of these experiences are so individual to students. And that's why we recommend them having these conversations with um, representatives in the Reeve Center, their, their study abroad advisors, or their um, faculty advisors, you all having conversations as a family about, you know, what kind of experience are they hoping to have and really getting a better understanding together and then sending them off to go have one of these conversations with someone. So um, it's a really personal experience studying abroad at William & Mary, I've found um, for the most part. Would you say that's true, Sylvia? Yeah, absolutely. And again, that's that's part why I think one of the reasons the many choices, which does mean some of these things, you know, become more complicated and stuff, but one of the choices, I think that's one of the reasons why, uh, you know, we do have such a high study abroad participation rate as well. Um, you may have heard we're uh, for many years, including this year, the number one public university in study abroad participation. Um, and I think having choice and the support and the recognition of faculty and the institution of the value of these experiences, the support of our family and others um, really are, is, is, is a critical part um, of that. And our office really wants to work with your student to provide that support, especially as they're choosing their program. Wonderful. We got a few questions about the transition related to housing. Um, so wondering if housing is guaranteed the semester after a student studies abroad. Um, how do students navigate only being housed on campus maybe for a semester or maybe needing to sublet when they come back? Um, what advice do you have for families around that specific logistical piece of the puzzle? Sure. Yeah. And if you've just signed like contracts that that say you are bound for the year, then that might make you wonder, goodness. Um, so while we can't control off campus housing, of course, on campus, if a student signs up for housing, is planned, is registered, everything, um, and then decides to go abroad for the fall or for the full year, a study abroad is an excusable reason for no penalty to cancel the housing contract. We work with Resilience Life very closely so that they know verify, but we don't drop the housing. Um, we just make it possible for your student to drop. So that really, it, it's once your student knows for sure that they want to give it the go, that that's at that point, um, housing would be released. Um, for students who go abroad for just the fall, if I heard that question correctly, um, we too work with Residence Life. Normally, we have 
um, almost double the number of students who study abroad, if not more than double, in the spring semester than compared to the fall. And so that has really been a big help. So, um, you know, while Residence Life, of course, manages it, I've not heard of any concerns of students being able to access housing when they're coming back, in part because, again, so many students are also heading overseas and therefore moving out of their res life, their housing contract, contracts on campus. Um, in terms of off-campus housing, that is, of course, something that we can't control as much. Um, uh, so I do hear of a fair amount of students who, too, are thinking like, oh, my friend is going to go in the fall and I go in the spring and we're going to try to arrange it. You know, that, of course, the only caution there is if something changes in anyone's plans, of course. Um, but that kind of collaboration, there's also, I think, you know, just regular off-campus housing Facebook pages and others where students, um, you know, post their their, their offerings um, if they, for example, are leaving after a semester. I think that's another um, great point for families is to have conversations early and often, especially if they're thinking about living on, off campus and they want to study abroad. Um, you know, this is part of them learning how to adult as the, as the young ones say, um, is navigating signing a lease and how how long is the lease term um, subletting that if they if they do sign a year-long lease and they decide to study abroad so great conversations to have early with your student to help them process through some of those things that maybe we worry about and maybe they're not thinking through all of those things it's a great idea to just have those conversations um, early and often with them so I think we are about out of time, but I'm going to see if I can find one good last question for us to, to round us out. Um, do students need to make an appointment to speak with someone about study abroad, or can they just pop by the office? Yeah, it's a great way to end in terms of the next steps. So Monday through Friday from 11 to 5, there is a peer advisor who is ready to talk to your student um, and excited to talk to your student and train to understand all the contexts and complexities around that. Um, and then we have professional staff here too, advisors assigned to different, uh, to different programs or different regions in the world. Um, so the advisors are often an appointment. So we encourage students to use the online appointment scheduling system. If they do, if that's what they're looking for, um, you know, maybe that someone is available at the moment, but, um, you know, oftentimes, especially this time of year, um, students ahead of deadlines are scheduling with us. Um, but the peer advisors are definitely ready to just have your student pop in and they can help guide them through. And then, um, you know, again, oftentimes they actually are able to answer the questions that students have as well. Wonderful. Um for families, if they have mm -hmm. questions about study abroad programs, who is the best person for them to contact or what advice would you give to them as they have conversations with their students about engaging in a study abroad program? Yeah, absolutely. And we very much appreciate that. Certainly if you're on campus and everyone ever want to pop in again, the same kind of uh, openness is certainly um, available. And we always appreciate the opportunity to get to meet you and your students and talk about these experiences. Um, in terms of uh, general information, I encourage you also to use the right resources on the website. 
Um, each program does have different uh, people designated for, uh, and we are in the middle of adjusting some of the advising. So again, you'll see some updates in the next week or so. Um, but there's also an address called wmabroad.wm.edu, um, and it's on our website. And that really is a great place where you're like, I don't know, is this a program advisor question, or is it more of a process, policy, or something, you're welcome to just write to that. Our colleagues will either, who may, who respond to that, either answer directly, or they, they forward it to the appropriate person who will then follow up with you um, as well. So I hope all of that is, is helpful. Um, but uh, again, for your student, we just really encourage them to take a look at the website, watching that 201 web, um, that it's a, it's a video online, I think will go a long way in explaining a lot of the processes, especially related to, you know, oh goodness, I'm going on a program that's transfer credit. How does the credit transfer process work? And again, everything we've talked about, third party, direct enrollment, as well as all the Wayman Mary programs, all are under our rubric and get call 300, but there's a, there are some there's additional information that we might help I find helpful. All that is on video and on the website too. So just encourage you to take a look there also. Wonderful. It's a very robust resource. I will end by saying there is a sentiment that someone left in our Q&A that I wholeheartedly agree with, which is forget my kid. Can I go for a semester? <laughs> and I, I love that sentiment. What a great way to end. Study abroad experiences at William & Mary are so special. Um, and for all of our students who are able to participate in them, I know that they bring a lot of value to their education and their William & Mary experience. So thank you, Sylvia, for spending some time with us this evening to give us an overview answer some questions. Thank you families for joining us and we will see you on the next webinar. Good night, everyone. Thank you all.